All right, we're beginning our class now, and uh, we're talking about Revelation. Last week we looked at general Revelation, and general Revelation we saw exists for us to uh, see that God exists. And uh, Psalms talks about heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament of his handiwork and so forth. And also, uh, you know, aside from that, we have the witness of our own uh, moral conscience, which, of course, none of the other uh, creatures of creation have. There's somebody's dog may, may love them, but he still doesn't have a conscience, and he doesn't have any sort of a moral ability to discern right from wrong. Uh, he can only have learned behavior. He knows if he does something you don't like that you're going to... Uh, Maybe rub his nose in it. I don't know, but uh, uh, that's 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 all they have is just uh, learned behavior. They don't have a moral conscience. We all have a moral conscience. Everybody, we're born with it. So we know, even the little bitty baby, when they reach for something they know they're not supposed to, they turn they turn their head, and uh, because they're a born sinner and because they have a moral conscience. And then uh, also um, the general revelation that displays God's grace. And even though man has turned away from God, um, he, he continues uh, to bless man. And uh, the rain, the Bible says, falls on the just and the unjust alike, as, as well as the sun. And so God has blessed us all with life. God has blessed us all with truth. And that's the next thing, then special revelation, special revelation. So let's look at a few uh, scripture passages here. Uh, probably the one that uh, uh, comes to my mind when I think of this is John chapter 1. Mm. John chapter 1, and we'll look at verse 14. The Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Lord Jesus Christ is the living Word, the living Word. Uh, uh, we could go on to a Revelation, or excuse me, uh, John chapter 20 and uh, verse 14. Very, John chapter 20 and verse 14. Yes. No, not 1431. I'm sorry. It says, But these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing that ye might have life. Through his name. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the, the living word, and uh, he, he has been given, and we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Uh, I'm going to speak about the uh, voices of the first Christmas. Hmm. And uh, so, but Jesus uh, was given, of course, by God. That's what. Uh, um, uh, is it Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14? Behold, virgins shall conceive, and, and uh, then in uh, chapter 9 and verse 6, a son is given. So um, this is uh, what the Lord Jesus Christ was, was uh, given. Uh, I think another good verse that demonstrates this is Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed uh, heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. 
And so, uh, special revelation, God has revealed himself through the, the Word. And the Word is, of course, the living Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we're going to see in a few minutes, too, that it's the written Word. The written Word. Um, uh, we're pretty close there. Look in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon in our hands, have handled of the word of life. Uh, for this, for the life was manifested, we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. So, uh, special revelation is the word. And, uh, of course, we don't have the, the Lord Jesus Christ with us physically right now, but we have the written word. We have the written word. And this is objective, external truth. It is not subjective. It's, it's not something that's internal in spite of what uh, the um, New Orthodox, like Karl Barth and so forth, which say truth is something that isn't true until it's internalized within you. Uh, truth is objective. It's external. It's propositional. And it's understandable so that it can be read, it can be reread, it can be memorized, it can be studied with precision, it can be passed down to the next generation. Because it is right here. It's not something, you know, like the, uh, a lot of the uh, early cults in the first century. Uh, they, they, they taught that truth was something mystical. And it's hard to know and understand, and you had to like go through a whole series of initiations before you could begin to understand it. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that truth is is objective and external, propositional, understandable, and it is totally independent. So the truth is the truth, whether we have it. The truth is the truth, whether we believe it. The truth is the truth. But whether or not we receive it, it's still the truth. And so God has given them this special revelation in different ways. He, he gave it through angels. Can, can you uh, think of an instance when some angel in the Bible uh, delivered some truth to man? To Mary. To Mary. There's a, there's a good example. Yep, to Mary and Joseph. Of course, to Zechariah. Right. In the Old Testament, uh, there was uh, the, the angel of the Lord often came and revealed truth. Uh, maybe the, one of the best examples is Lot, or not Lot, but Abraham. In the Genesis chapter 18, when, when the angel of the Lord came and, and visited, and, and then uh, uh, Abraham interceded on behalf of the city of uh, cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. said, Lord, are you going to destroy it if there's, if there's ten righteous people there? Right. Did you ever wonder why he picked 10? Why not 12? That's the size of Lot's family. Yeah. Well, because, because Lot apparently had uh, four daughters. So Lot and his wife and four daughters, and if the four daughters were all married, then that would be 10 people, assuming that they married righteous men. But of course, they, the two older ones uh, did marry righteous men. The two younger ones weren't married, and so there wasn't 10 people there. There wasn't even, there wasn't even five righteous people. And, uh, you know, apparently there was only one. Lot. That's it. That's it. Next is righteous soul. So, 
that's uh, that that's a good example of, of how God has revealed truth through angels. He's also done it in dreams. God's revealed truth in dreams. And, uh, of course, uh, I think the two best examples are Daniel and Ezekiel. Yeah. Uh, Ezekiel had a lot of truth revealed to him in dreams. Uh, we just got done in the uh, doing the uh, eight, chapters 8 through 11 in Ezekiel where God, uh, you know, Ezekiel was in his home and the elders of Judah were uh, sitting down in front of him and suddenly the Lord took him by the lock of his hair by the Spirit and took him to Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem... Uh, he was transported, and, and he saw he saw a man who had a very godly father, and he was he was with uh, a group of people, and they were uh, worshiping all of the beasts. They were worshiping in the one of the courtyards, one of the outer courtyards of the temple, and they were worshiping all kinds of animals and four-footed beasts. And and God says, "Wait, I'll show you something even worse than that." And He took him into a different courtyard, and there were a, a, a bunch of women. And they were weeping for Tammuz. Tammuz is a Babylonian god that uh, supposedly dies uh, at the uh, about midsummer every year when all the grass dries out and the rains stop. The grass turns brown and this Tammuz supposedly dies. And then in the spring when the rains come and the grass turns green again, then he's re reincarnated or, or resurrected. And so the women would worship or the women would weep every summer when the grass turned brown for this Tammuz. Uh, this God Tammuz, and he said, "Wait!" He said, "You think that's terrible?" He then he took him to the inner courtyard where only the priests could go, and there were twenty-five priests or twenty-five. Now, the, I think that it was the high priest in one of each of the twenty-four orders. That's what I think. And uh, they're, they're, they had their backs turned to the temple, and they were worshiping the sun. And and so. God, God showed him all of these things in a dream. Of course, he showed Daniel a lot of things in dreams, too. He showed Daniel uh, the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, he so, then later he showed Daniel other dreams as well. And so uh, God reveals truth, uh, special revelation through angels and uh, through dreams like that, through visions, through audible voices. Do you remember uh, little Samuel? When he was in the house of Eli, the high priest, and he went to bed, and he heard a voice that said, Samuel, Samuel. And he ran to Eli, and he said, you called. And he said, no, I didn't go back to bed, kid. You're waking up. But it was God. And God was speaking to Samuel in an audible voice. It also, uh, I mentioned conscience, in our conscience. And uh, we can see different uh, times in the Bible when, when somebody's conscience smote them. And uh, they knew that what they had done... Uh, was not right. Another way, and this isn't one that people think of very often, but in the Old Testament they had the Urim and the Thummim. I don't know what those things were, and I don't think anybody else does either, but they were something that fit into the vest of the high priest. And uh, somehow, by means of those things, God could reveal His will uh, through the high priest. I don't know that there's a lot of examples that they actually sought to know God's will, or that the high priest used them, but that's what God gave them for. Then there was lots. You know, they would cast lots. And uh, uh, I, I don't know exactly how they cast lots either, but I think it, they, they had a means of doing it where they could determine this over that. And a good example to me is in Acts chapter 1 when, they, uh, when the, the church decided to replace 
uh, Judas Iscariot, and they picked two men that had been with them from the beginning. So for as long as the rest of the apostles, these men had followed two, but they weren't numbered among the twelve. And uh, so they picked two, and I think they put the two names into a hat and drew one out and said, this is it, God chose this one. Or maybe they voted. I don't know. Uh, but however it, uh, it happened, that's, that's what they did. I know some people criticized them for doing that. I don't. Uh, I think that that's what was implied in the keys of the kingdom. And uh, uh, they had the, uh, as a church, they had the right to do that. And I don't see that the Bible condemns them for it, so I'm not going to either. But lots is one of the ways that they did it. And then, of course, uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through apostles. Um, now, there's some wrong views about special revelation. Uh, existentialism is, uh, I kind of hinted at that, but that I think the one who really popularized this idea, and I mentioned his name earlier, was the German theologian Karl Barth, just after World War II, I think around 1950. He published a commentary in the book of Revelation uh, that uh, basically said, the Bible has no propositional truth, it's all internal and subjective. And that that was that really hit Protestant theology like a bombshell. And it was very quickly embraced and uh, uh, to the obviously the detriment of most uh, um, Protestant denominations. But uh, that existentialism would be a wrong view of Revelation. And then the liberalism. Uh, which is revelation as a divine activity. They recognize that God has acted in history, but they leave the interpretation uh, to the subjective opinion of unsaved men. And uh, uh, a good example of that is the way that people deal with the text. Uh, even even in, uh, I, went to, I graduated from three uh, fundamental, independent fundamental Baptist Bible colleges, and in one of them, uh, the professors essentially said that, you know, we, we need to have scholarly men that can tell us which parts of the Bible we ought to believe. And uh, that, that's a wrong view of Revelation. That's a wrong view of Revelation. And uh, we'll get more into that when we talk about the doctrine of preservation. But, uh, the danger for Revelation is that all the, these different brands of neo-orthodoxy that have influenced the evangelicalism, uh, leaving many doubting the possibility that Revelation can ever be objective. And uh, we, we, uh, we need to believe what God has said, and God has said that he's going to preserve his word. God said this is truth. Thy word is truth. And uh, so, uh, we, that's what we need to believe. Alright, uh, well, we'll start next week then on the uh, Doctrine of Inspiration, the Record of Truth, uh, which is God, how God has breathed out His Word. And uh, so let's uh, pray and ask God's blessing on our, our service. Lord, thank you so much for giving us the time to study these things. And I know that uh, everyone here believes these things. But it's good for us to have them uh, re renewed and reviewed in our minds.
and uh, to strengthen us and uh, Lord, prepare us to be able to teach these things to other people. We pray God that you might uh, bless in our services today. Pray that somebody uh, who's without salvation and does not know Christ as their Savior would uh, either come into our services or tune in and uh, see our, our services online and receive Christ as their Lord and Savior today. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.